Hi, this is Helen Warren from Geek She Night Board Game Cafe, and I am delighted to introduce Chris Baum from i for games He is a Pittsburgh-based game illustrator, and I was excited to hear about him. You all might remember my interview with Steve Franz at Nerds, Cards, and Comics, and he told me all about his friend Chris. And that, that led me to go ahead and adventure further to find this person and hear a little bit more about what he does. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well, Ellen. How are you doing today? Uh, a little snowed in. Honestly, we got about four inches here. They even called off church. I didn't think that was possible. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, I wanted to find out a little bit about you. As I, as I said, you're in Pittsburgh and a game illustrator. And my first question is, when became illustra- when you became an illustrator, did you go to college or are you self-taught? I mean, it's, it's kind of both things. Uh, I did go to school, although actually my major and my focus was on uh, graphic design. So more on layout, typography, you know, creating documents, that sort of thing. But I did illustration as a, not exactly a minor, because we weren't allowed uh, at my school, which was uh, Rochester Institute of Technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, So actually I had an associate's instead in illustration. So, but I've been drawing forever. I'm sure every artist is like this. You, You draw for a long time or you make art in some way. And then you have that experience of being like, I should go to school for this. And then you go to school and you realize that all of the people who are in art school are the same as you. They are also the people who did nothing but like draw and make art all the time. So your vaunted status as that art kid is uh, stripped away from you immediately. (laughs) You're just one of the guys, right? Yeah, you're just one of the people who also happens to draw things and usually not the best. What inspired you to draw? There's always like maybe another artist or a particular, you know, genre that would make you think about, oh, well, maybe I could just, I could actually do this for a living. Well, I mean, there's a couple steps. Uh, On the one hand, I can point at my kindergarten teacher, Ms. King, as being the person who taught me to move beyond just stick figures into weird sausage people, (laughs) which I think was the first moment I sort of realized that things had form, they had volume to them. And that you could represent things as more than just like, you know, these weird abstractions that you're sort of taught how Mm -hmm. to do. But the first time I realized that, oh, I could actually do this for a living was more tied into when I started doing graphic design. I was in high school and there were a bunch of electives that you could take in our high school. One was painting and drawing. I I desperately wanted to take that one because I had done it so often, but it was completely full. So instead, I got placed into a a communication arts class, which was the, the old word for graphic design in that school and uh, I told the teacher point blank that I did not want to be in his class the very first day I wanted to be in the painting and drawing class but by the end of that year I had realized that I liked doing that stuff so much that I wanted to just keep doing it and I took it as many times as I could you know wound up going to college for it still did you know drawing and stuff but that was when I realized that oh hey there's like commercial art that you can do and that is a thing that is possible wow do you have a favorite artist that inspired you I mean, it sort of fluctuates. I feel like everybody, if you ask them if they're going to have a favorite artist, they either definitely have one or they're going to give you this terrible waffling response that I am, uh, (laughs) which is if you ask me on a different day, you'll get a different answer. I tend to like schools of thought when it comes to art more than I like particular artists. Okay. So like 
if we're talking rendering technique and use of color, I'm a huge fan of impressionists, but you wouldn't know it in my work. But I love going to museums and just hanging out in their impressionist and post-impressionist sections because of how the artists use the brushwork and color and it's very inspirational but uh, if you want to talk about like foundational to how I draw things and do things I guess it probably comes down to just like the Sunday funnies and like the comics pages as an introduction to how I sort of approach things because I'm a lot more focused on line than I am on, on color and form and okay. I think that's a holdover from you know comics and cartoons is that it's a lot more about stylization using that instead of actually building up form but yeah, I don't know. Of that, who can I say is my favorite the moment? I don't know. Yeah, I can't really point to anybody. Because like, if you want to talk like big art, I would say probably Matisse is one of my favorites. If we're talking like graphic design and approach to line and form, I'm going to say like Henri Toulouse-Lautrec is probably going to be there. Mm -hmm. And these are all just big ways of saying I sometimes went to museums and read art history books, but more often I was reading comics and, you know, watching cartoons. And I just can't point to those people as specific creators because mm -hmm. I don't know enough about their background. And it was just kind of that melange of things. I don't what? know if I answered your question at all. No, I'm sorry. No, no, but it does make sense because it sometimes it's just that one person that spawns it all off on. But because you sounds like you've had a, a rounded experience in college or in school that um, you were inspired by different avenues, you know, different people for different reasons, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Do you have a particular area that you like the best? Like, uh, do you like car cartoon art? Do you like uh, graphic art specifically? Do you like painting? Do you have a specific you know, genre or something that you really like the best? I like most visual art, I want to say. I, well... You like I, to draw, that is. I that mean, I like love to draw, yeah, but I, I like seeing most visual art. And so the stuff I tend to make is a lot more toward the cartoonish sort of look. Okay. Um, I will be forever grateful to my teachers in school who managed to get me to do life drawing because as every artist who has ever been a person who had that excuse of, oh, it's just my style, you know, you learn that life drawing is the foundation of learning how things are constructed, especially human bodies, so that you can then exaggerate and so that you can then you know, have some sense of stylistic approach to things while maintaining, like, here's how things are supposed to work. And it just improves things. But like, yeah, it's kind of like you, you learn the, the, you learn the rules to know how to break them. Yeah. But if we're talking like just favorites, one of my favorite things is approaching things very flat and minimalistically. Mm -hmm. Because on the one hand, it's kind of a challenge because you have to know how little you can get away with in order to communicate the idea. But on the other hand, it's kind of freeing to just have like flat blocks of color or, you know, fairly simple geometric shapes to try and communicate some bigger idea. Like if you're thinking of those old school travel posters mm -hmm. where it's, there is definitely some facility with um, the illustration and it's quite representational but at the same time the thing that attracts me to those things is the bold use of graphic color so you'll have okay. these very large sections of green contrasted with like orange of the sunset and of mountains and things fading into purples and while at the same time you see like quite a bit of detail it's kind of like this reduced perspective almost as if you've taken flat layers and put them from the foreground all the way down to the background. I know just what you're talking about. I understand just what you mean. 
especially the nostalgic ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so can you give a piece of advice for somebody that is thinking about doing illustrations for games? Now, that seems kind of really, really specific when it really doesn't have to be, but there just may be somebody out there that is kind of curious. I want to kind of get in there. So what are some things that I can do to uh, some, what are, what are some advice you can give to those people that are interested in doing what you're doing? Um, Well, if you want to do what I'm doing, my suggestion is make friends with a bunch of people who like to do game design and make it known that you do art things and then they'll want to hook up with you to do art things and you can tailor your illustration just to whatever feels comfortable for you but if you're doing it in a freelance basis which I've occasionally worked with a couple freelancers for things that I'm not so great at in our games you have a couple routes to go down one is being a sort of a jack of all trades which I think is a, a skill that illustrators need especially working illustrators uh, in the commercial space need to, to begin with you either have a very strong style and editors and uh, agents are going to hire you for that style because Mm -hmm. they know it or much more likely you're hired because you're capable of pulling off a range of stylistic approaches and a range of subjects you got to be prepared to do what the client is looking for so if you can do sort of an exploration uh, tone and approach and then sort of go with a nice compromise between what you are the most capable of delivering and what the client is looking for. And that's gonna be, I think, the most valuable thing for you if you're working in freelance or just for game illustration, which is mostly gonna be freelance, you know, work for hire kind of stuff. Great advice, great advice. Was there uh, was there any kind of a life experience that kind of prepared you for illustrating or even being a board gamer? Or are you a board gamer for that fact? Uh, you know, I would say I am much more than any other sort of game. I, I like to play a lot of board games. Mm-hmm. You spoke to my friend Steve, uh, who the owner of uh, Nerds, Cards, and Comics, and he has a, a monthly game night that he hosts with the Western PA Gaming Group. And I am an attendant of that as often as I can be. I've got a pretty substantial collection at this point. I'm kind of glancing over at a portion of it. Come on, mostly, you can brag. How many you have? You can brag. I have no idea, actually. <laughs> it's mostly smaller stuff. Uh, Because I I don't like to get as many of the big ones if I can help it. I will occasionally break down if it is particularly beautiful. Because I will admit, as an art-focused person, I cannot stand having something in my board game collection that doesn't look nice. Like, I know that art does not have a huge bearing necessarily on mechanics. You can still have a really good game that doesn't look great, but I don't want to own it if it doesn't also look great. So, and sometimes that's bitten me uh, because I'll get something that's uh, gorgeous, but it's not actually that good of a game. But I find more often I'll find something interesting just because it looks cool and I picked it up. Like um, Tokaido, the game of uh, trekking across Japan. It's a game about having the best trip, basically. You stop at different places uh, along the Tokaido road. You can go to the hot springs. You can go into a little village and buy souvenirs. uh, Or you can go to the shrine and make an offering. And the entire game is just having the best trip that you can. And I I bought it entirely because it has a really lovely cover to the box. This fairly stark white box with a spot illustration in the middle of this uh, sumptuously uh, illustrated little colorful scene that's a mixture of all of the different buildings that you can see in the game art. And then the title in 
in a sort of rippling black and gray uh, done out as if it were drawn with ink and oh, is, is really pretty. So I, I picked that up in college actually for $50, which was a bit much at the time. I've, but it was just aesthetically beautiful. Yeah, it was worth it. And it's why I spent a good deal more later when they launched a Kickstarter for a deluxe edition. Oh, wow. Hey, listen, I'll add a a link to this particular game in case anybody's kind of curious to see what it was that got your attention by the way so you would say that was probably your visually your most favorite game oh yeah for a long time like if we're talking mechanically my favorite board games wind up being either those that are very compact experiences and like the mechanics are really all that's going on or the ones where it's a lot more about the people you play with than necessarily <laughs> the game itself like I love Skull uh, okay. which is a very simple game it's a bluffing game you've got four discs uh one of them is a skull three of them are flowers and you have a little coaster because it was actually i believe made on bar coasters originally for the initial printing i didn't know that that's neat yeah so you're bluffing the uh everyone by trying to say that you can make a particular bet of how many discs you can unveil starting with your own and then working around a a circle and if you hit a skull uh, at any point during the bet you discard a card and you only have those four to begin with so it's all about trying to get people to raise the bet so that they hit your skull or trying to figure out like what the minimum level that you can make is because all you have to do is succeed in your bet twice and you win and that is entirely about lying to people and (laughs) bluffing them it's like all of the fun of high level poker without ever having to know any hands because it's just about reading people and trying to figure out like are they trying to trick you this time is it just flowers do they have a skull is is there anything is there danger and that's wonderful but it's entirely like you're playing with people and reading them because otherwise it's not fun if it's just people who are going through the motions you can and there are I guess theoretically optimal ways to play but it's not as fun as when you start trying to second guess each other okay all right I'll go ahead I'll add those links to the uh again to the the uh, podcast uh notes later if you could take board games to another level than what we currently know I know this seems kind of weird. It might be too abstract, but it, do, you, do you think you could do, you know, could you envision something like to the next level than what we do that, you know, around the board games? I guess I can uh, to some degree. I, I think we're in a pretty good era right now when it comes to board games. There's a lot of care being paid attention to for both component quality and, you know, depth of design. And there's a lot of impressive work coming out. But I think some of it is still hampered by price point. And I realize a lot of this is, you know, people feel like if it's of a certain size, a certain level of box size, it's worth a certain amount of money. So if it's one of those bigger boxes, it's going to be 50 bucks, you know. And you can go much higher with the really nice versions of things with really nice components. But I almost feel like that's kind of a problem in and of itself. Yeah. Like the the high cost uh, winds up restricting the market to sort of hobbyists, to people who, you know, the kind of people who play board games, not just Mm -hmm. sort of a, a general market. Meanwhile, in the general market, there are, you know, huge success stories, but there are things like Codenames, which is actually a fairly simple uh, game production-wise. Uh, it's a very tight design, and it, it makes a lot of sense as a party game, but you don't have the kinds of experiences that you have with, say, I don't know, Fury of Dracula, which is, you know, this lush production that's like 90 bucks and out of print. And No, they just put out the third edition. I have it on my, oh, de- my table right now. <laughs> nice, yeah. I, I just want to let you know, I just got that for my birthday. <laughs> I had to wait very that nice. 
for it. So yes, there's third edition just got released. So that is actually one of my big favorites. Let's see. Can now I I for games. Can mm-hmm. you tell me? Do you have particular games? Have you illustrated all? Of, let me let's start with one. Yeah. Have you illustrated all of them, or do you work with a team when you do illustrations for I for games? For illustration for I for games, I have done all of them. You uh, oh, did all of them? No kidding. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. the sole artist on the team. There's been a couple times I've worked with others on a freelance basis for specific things. For a couple animations that we used to promote uh, one of our earlier games, Clairvoyance, I contacted a couple folks that I had met in college uh, in the film and animation school there to help out with sprite animation, background, and compositing to make those a little bit better. But otherwise, it's just me. I do everything. Okay. Um, when you're giving a task to illustrate a game, do you have any sort of thing that you go through to kind of inspire you? Do you just start, you know, does it just come to you? What do you do to inspire yourself when, when they've given you an assignment to illustrate a game? Well, usually I'm there from the beginning, which is a, a benefit to being part of a company instead of just working entirely on a freelance basis. So I'm usually part of the concept generation. And my approach for our games has been to have really two big things to start with, which is I want uh, some sort of color identity uh, for mm-hmm. the game so that they have a single main color to anchor everything in the art that's going to be produced. Which, if you look at our stuff, we've got uh, Alaka Slam, which is green. We've got Clairvoyance, which is purple. We've got Rise of the Robotariat, uh, which is red. And stuff that hasn't been released, but we've got uh, a game called Ultra, which is all about orange. We've got a game called Aloft, which is all about a very light canary blue. And all of our Eye for Labs stuff, which is uh, things that we're going to be releasing for free uh, under sort of like a print and play imprint. Those are all around yellow because I want to make them look like a singular uh, line. There's that having a bit singular color identity and uh, two, trying to have uh, some sort of uh, inspiration in style. So mm-hmm. some of them are just, you know, generically how I sketch and draw, but I try to mix it up a little bit with approach by trying to choose inspiration for a stylistic approach. So like Rise of the Robotariat was all about propaganda posters. So the art in it is either directly referencing a particular propaganda poster or piece mm-hmm. of uh, propaganda, or it's uh, sort of an amalgam of a bunch of different contemporary styles, especially for uh, Soviet propaganda, because that one's entirely about robots rising up uh, against humanity as, uh, well, the robotariat. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Soviet propaganda posters was where it started. And contrasting that, uh, we've got um, Clairvoyance, which was all about psychics. So the approach for that was to find you know, tarot illustration and emphasis on like weirdness and special powers and how do you illustrate that. So I tend to start off with those two goals and pursuant to the second for illustration uh, ideas, I usually assemble a mood board. Like I'll, I'll go out and look for examples of like art that attracts me and I think fulfills uh, the purpose uh, of the game as I see it. And I'll put those together and then I will present them to the people I work with be like, okay, do we want this sort of look and feeling, or do we want this one, or do we want this one? And we'll sort of talk through it and agree eventually on an approach, and then we'll start actually producing work uh, for it. And it's usually by component, if that makes sense. So we sort of narrow in on like what the actual component list of a game is. So it's not just generically art for the game, it's art for the card for a character, or it's art for 
you know, the board or it's, you know, art for the token. Okay. Um, yeah, it's interesting you brought up the um, the print and play that you were talking about. I went to uh, I4 Labs mm-hmm. that you have that print and play and actually did print it out uh, yesterday. Is there any, and I just, I just started cutting the cards now to, uh, to give it a little test run, but I was curious, what can you tell me about this particular game and why you guys chose to do it this way? So that game is uh, called what if, but also, and Mm -hmm. it's, uh, one of our first stab at a, a good old fashioned word game. We decided to release it as a free print and play, uh, partly for reasons of, uh, time investment, but also, uh, market saturation. Uh, on the one hand, for time investment, it's we I for Lab is intended to be a way for us to spend a little bit of time refining an idea, uh, getting it to a place where you feel like this is a fun thing, this is something we would feel happy uh, for people to play uh, and check out, but at the same time, not spending the length of time it takes for us to bring a full project up to snuff, like not polish and polish and polish until we're fairly sure everything is balanced, everything's good, and we would be ready to do like a a major publishing push. Because uh, for the people I work with and myself, this is a part-time gig, you know, this is on evenings and weekends. So none of us, this is our main breadwinner. (laughs) So we don't have a ton of time. And for market saturation, there's a lot of word games out there. And oh yeah, quite good. Uh, so we figured we probably weren't going to be selling a ton of it, but we wanted to make one. Yeah. So we put it out there for free. That way, we don't have to invest as much in component cost and and producing those things. But it's going to be out there. And unsurprisingly, this is a thing that other word games have also done. Like you can get, uh, I think, monikers and Cards Against Humanity and Apples to Apples. You can get all of these as uh, print and plays out there. Yes. You can, so, yeah. like the expectation of the who, the people who are going to be playing this is that that's an okay thing. This is not like a super cheap thing. Okay, I don't think so, but yeah, I see what you're yeah. saying. Okay, so I'm going to call us out. And of all the games that that I for Games has published, do you have a favorite? I do, but it's entirely sentimental. <laughs> okay, uh, that's you know what, and there's reasons. I get that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely clairvoyance, which is technically our first game but also technically our second we first or second yeah so it's the first game that uh my friends don and rob and i came together to work on when we were all in college but we didn't release it until we'd all graduated Mm -hmm. uh and by that point we had already released as a company a much shorter game alec slam uh and then came back to clairvoyance as our second release as a company but it is the thing that made i for games it's the reason that we came together as a group okay that would make sense i like that i like that a lot now people have heard about it uh i for games now and uh have heard some of the games are um published where can they pick up games where can they come find your company the games are they you know, is it only on your site? Is it on Amazon? Uh, well, okay. Uh, as far as I know, well, we uh, have a, a distributor, uh, Ship Naked, in the United States, and they do list uh, our stuff on Amazon. So if you look, you will find uh, some copies of uh, Clairvoyance, Rise of the Robotariat, and Alaga Slam. You can also order through us uh, on our website at iforgames.com. Mm-hmm. Just click the store link and you should be good. But if you are in the Pittsburgh area, uh, you can pick up our games at uh, Nerds, Cards, and Comics in Bridgeville, at uh, Phantom of the Attic in Oakland, uh-huh. and 
at Games Unlimited in Squirrel Hill. And if you are in the Boston area, I believe you can pick up uh, some copies of our games at uh, Pandemonium uh, Books and Games. And at, where's the other one? I cannot remember the other one, but that's the big one. Okay, well, hey, why don't we, when you recall that, and mm-hmm. I'll put it on the uh, the links for people to be able to find the games. Okay. I'll be sure to list them all. Great. Thank you very much. Hey, listen, Chris, it's been a real treat to get to know you and hear mm-hmm. a little bit more about what you guys are doing out there. And you know what? I look forward to doing more with you guys in the future. What I hope to do is that I'd like to do a uh, Eye for Games game day so mm-hmm. that folks can have a chance to take a to play your games and give you some feedback. How well, does that, that sounds lovely? Great. Hey, listen, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. You have a great day. You too. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everybody. Bye.